Amen. So we're going to look at the Psalms this summer, as I mentioned last Sunday, and um, I'll be away for actually four Sundays this summer, so we're not going to cover all 150 Psalms, obviously, and uh, that would complete, no, that would take probably three years to complete if we tried to do that kind of stuff, but instead what I decided to do is I want to look at maybe uh, six to maybe seven um, major themes found in the Psalms. And so we'll end up looking at a variety of Psalms as we go along here. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the Psalms, just kind of an introduction to the book. Um, the Psalms are originally composed uh, independently. So that means that every Psalm has meaning in its own. But today we have a collection of 150 Psalms that are ordered in such a way that not only do you find each individual psalm meaningful, but also in their ordered relationship with, the, with each other, you find meaning. So there are certain sets of psalms that kind of go together as well. Now the psalms, you probably know this, but were originally composed for the purpose of worship, right? So you sing through the Psalter one by one, not necessarily in the order that we have them today, but it was used for worship. And they were organized basically in five books or five sets that kind of parallel the five books of the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. But most importantly, they were carefully arranged so that they mirror the story of Israel. So really, the Psalms tell a story, the story of Israel from the time of David and even after the exile in Babylon. And so most of the Psalms were written before the exile, so a lot written by David, of course, and then they were collected into a hymn book, if you will, as we have them today, and they were collected and compiled together sometime after the exile. So the Psalms span many years of Israel's story, composed not just by King David, but many other authors as well, in fact, there's one in there written by Moses even before, of course, the time of David. That's Psalm 90. Now, the Psalms contain different kinds of prayers or different kinds of songs. And so you have Psalms that are praise and worship, especially at the back end. Um, confession, the law, that's the one we looked at last Sunday. Uh, much about the king or the Messiah, the anointed one. Uh, a whole pile of psalms of lament and anguish. And so all kinds of themes. And so those are the themes that I want to kind of draw out as we, we uh, go along here and I want to explore. So last Sunday we talked about this theme of, of the law, right? Meditation on the law. And so that's a dominant theme throughout, throughout the books. But today the theme I want to talk about is honesty. Honest transparent connection with God. It really is a dominant theme in this psalm, and there's so much here to teach us about what it means to become honest and transparent before God. So let's just look at Psalm 139, 1-3. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Now the psalmist here is King David, and he invites God to see everything about him. All his secrets are just kind of laid bare. Now there was a study done in 2017, and it found that the average person is holding on to 13 secrets, five of which they have not told a living soul. Now, it's not the secret itself that will haunt you. It's the mental energy that you spend just thinking about it. So according to the researcher Michael Slepin, uh, Slepian, he's a professor at Columbia Business School, in his interview with The Atlantic, he said this, We found that when people were thinking about their secrets, they actually acted as if they were burdened by physical weight. Slepian and his team examined 13,000 real-life secrets to figure out what people are keeping secrets about, what it's like to have a secret, and why secret-keeping has overwhelmingly been viewed as a negative human experience. These secrets involve things like telling a lie, uh, harming someone, a drug overdose, theft, a violent, a violating someone's trust, sexual infidelity, or a secret hobby, and the list goes on. So the team asked the participants how often their minds wandered to think about those secrets in the past month, and how often they found themselves in situations that forced them to actively conceal their secrets. Now, secrets were far more likely to come to the fore when people were alone, actually alone with their thoughts than in social, social situations. And so they become more aware of them when they were by themselves, uh, up to their own thoughts. In other words, we spend way more time, way more em- mental energy mulling over our secrets on our own time than actively trying to conceal them. Now, you probably didn't need this research to know that every one of us has some kind of secret, right? We all keep secrets. Some secret, one, uh, whatever kind of secret. Every person, every family, in fact, even countries have secrets, right? Hold their cards to their chest. Why do we hold secrets? Well, there's lots of reasons, right? Uh, We're hiding something. Maybe there's an addiction. We don't want anyone to know about that. Uh, For others, it's about a traumatic experience, right? You're only willing to share so much about this trauma. Uh, Still others, it's about the fear of being rejected if told or not liked. For others, it's about a lust for power and control, maybe a bad temper, uh, jealousy, prejudice, and the list goes on. Well, whatever the issue may be, With our secrets, we hide. With our secrets, we hide. So in Genesis chapter 3, of course, we have the famous story that happened to Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God. What happened? Well, when they disobeyed God, they hid from God, and then they were naked. Now, before that, it was no big deal to be naked, right? But suddenly, they felt shame. They covered themselves, and they hid themselves from God in shame. Then their shame led to social dysfunction, 
They started blaming each other for the predicament they found themselves in. So this explains the origins of why we do what we do. It's a human thing, absolutely, right? And so what do we do? We tend to hide from others. We even hide from ourselves, right? And ultimately, of course, we hide from God. We keep secrets because of shame. Now, some of you might remember me telling this story, but when I was about 12 years old, I think, my dad cut my hair for the first time and for the last time. In other words, he did it once in my life. And it was a horrible haircut. At least I thought it was a horrible haircut. And um, it didn't help that he accidentally clipped my ear. And yeah, and a little bleeding happened. So I was already upset. School was the next day. And I was embarrassed to go to school. And I literally put a paper bag on my head. Okay? I wanted to hide because I was afraid what others were thinking. We keep secrets for the same reasons. We try to hide what we're ashamed about. But unfortunately, the secrets we seek to hide is like taking on extra weight. It becomes this burden. And it becomes like a burden we must carry that produces unwanted angst or anxiety or guilt or shame. But the Psalms understand our human condition. And when we turn to the Psalms, each Psalm names our burdens and our fractured emotions. It's the most honest book you're going to get. It speaks candidly and honestly about the human condition. Uh, Let me give you a few examples. Psalm 3, David cries out, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Right? So here's a king being absolutely honest with God. This is how he feels. He's afraid. Author David W. Taylor, a former classman of mine, uh, said about the Psalms, he says, It is in it we see a mirror of humanity at its best and at its worst. Biblical commentator Walter Brueggemann writes this about the Psalter. It is an articulation of all the secrets of the human heart and the human community, all voiced out in loud speech and in song to God amidst the community. He goes on to say, if we are to be free, our secrets must be told. If we wish to flourish in our God-given calling, our secrets must be brought into the light so we are no longer governed by this corrosive and destructive power. But you see, this is what the Psalms do for us. This is what that helps us to do. And so Taylor says, they help us tell our secrets faithfully before God and for each other. So in this small sample, Psalm 3, David is expressing his fear, his angst, because the background story, of course, we're told in the superscription at the very beginning of the psalm. He is fleeing, actually, his own son. I mean, what could be, you know, you you just can't think of a worse situation is your son has become your enemy. He's joined with the enemy. He's chasing you down. He wants you dead. 
So no wonder he's feeling as he does, right? Even though he doesn't name his son. So originally, this is David's private but honest prayer to God. He lays it out. He just pours his heart out before God. Now in time, this prayer becomes a song for the greater community as an aid, helping all of us to become open, honest people for God and the everyday things of life. Okay? So it's just this wonderful gift to us, helping us to become more and more transparent and honest with God about our true emotions. Literally, it is casting all our cares upon the Lord, right? As Peter says. So when I came to school with this bag over my head, um, I really, I'm not sure what I'm thinking. It's too long ago. I don't remember everything. But I mean, did I really think the paper bag was better than my haircut? I mean, honestly, it made things stand out even more, right? So I refused to go to the classroom. The old-fashioned school bell rang, and all the children went in but me. Uh, Basically a two-room schoolhouse situation. My teacher came out and checked on me, and she was sympathetic, and she asked me what was wrong. She gave me the courage to tell my secret, and so the first thing she did was she listened. Tenderly, she asked if she could pull the bag off, and see for herself. And so she pulled it off. And then she said, Daniel, there's nothing wrong with your haircut. It's nice. Hmm. Totally against my emotions, but should I believe her? It sure sounded better than what I was feeling inside, right? But her empathy basically won me over. I mean, I didn't quite believe her yet, but it basically won me over. And slowly the weight of my shame came off, and I entered the classroom with my classmates, and it was really no big deal because no one really noticed except for me, right? Oftentimes it's like that. But this is what the Psalms do for us. They give voice to the secrets that weigh us down, right? It's, got, it's like God hearing you out, like my teachers hearing me out, right? They free us emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. The Psalms model for us to be open and unafraid with God, giving us permission and courage to speak as we truly are and to confess our deepest sins and our deepest needs. And so in this way, with God's help, we counter the hiding and the evil effects of the fall. So let's let's turn back to Psalm 139 and uh, pull out a few more insights here. David invites God to see everything about him. So let me read these again. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. You know, at first read, I imagine that God has a million cameras pointing back at me, looking upon us like a security guard through monitors in heaven. Then I realized that this is not the correct image at all. That's not what is being presented here. It's not like God is spying on us. Of course, God sees it all, right? He sees everything. No question about that. He knows everything. 
we tend to hide. But in transparent prayer, what's happening here is David is actually inviting God to see all of him. And he's using this as a positive that God knows everything about him, right? He is disclosing himself to God because he knows that God, of all people, knows him best. It is self-disclosure that brings him cleansing and healing. For God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too lofty for me to attain. He's talking about the wonder of how God just knows everything and is everywhere all at the same time. David W. Taylor says again, when we stand before God, naked and ashamed, unashamed as God's beloved, this is when we find our truest identity. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, today we're living in a generation that doesn't see the sacredness of their own physical bodies, how God made them, male and female. But when we learn to accept and embrace our bodies as part of who we are and because of God's design, or what Paul calls the body the temple of the Holy Spirit, we find our truest identity. And so we learn to trust God. We learn to be honest with God, with all of who we are, and living and learning to live in his way. So whatever we feel, whatever we are, God knows us and is with us. Even when we sleep or when we get up, God is there. Verse 7 to 10 says this, it doesn't matter where I go in the heavens or on the moon. I just added it in there. But anyway, in the depths, you are there. If I rise to the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, there, there your right hand will hold me fast. And the psalmist asked in verse 7, where can I flee from your presence? Well, we know we can't flee from God's presence. We talked about that in the Jonah story, right? You can go everywhere you want, but God is, he's just there. We can't flee from God's presence, but nor does King David want to, because he finds his truest self by being open and honest with God. When we're ashamed, of course, we have feelings of not being seen, right? We run away from God. But David is modeling, modeling the exactly opposite. He's feeling shamed, right? He's feeling mocked, but he's driven to God and he's broken before God. He's honest before God. And that leads us to the way everlasting, which takes us to the next point. God transforms the heart that is honest with God. When we pray with honesty, we pray ourselves into wholeness. Now, on the very back end of the same psalm, this is a long psalm, so I'm only highlighting a few things, but at the very back end, it says this. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then highlight this last part. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Being open and unafraid with God has an end or it has a purpose to it. When David opens his heart to God, he is allowing God to search him inside and out. All the warts, all the hidden motives, all the secrets. But it leads him to a greater wholeness, or as David expresses it, to the way everlasting. This was also the message of Psalm 1 that we talked about last week. When we meditate upon the word of God into our lives, Psalm 1, 6 says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. There is a freedom that comes. There is a wholeness that comes. David is saying, we become whole by praying our honest joys and our honest pains with God. So hiding our emotions, sins, and frustrations from God as a Christian only leads to religious duty and burdens, right? If we're not honest with God, then our faith becomes just religiosity, just going through the emotions. Nothing's real happening between you and God. And remember, those who carry secret secrets carry heavy burdens. And it takes a lot of mental, emotional energy to carry around these weights day and night. And so the Psalms are just loaded with honest-to-God prayers about the needs of our life, right? You can, you can almost read anywhere in the Psalms, and you're going to come to some deep honesty, right? Psalm 34, 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Psalm 39, 1, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. I mean, these are like, like honest confessions, but also honest desires, right? Lord, this is, what I, this is really what I want, right? I want to be pure in my speech because I know that I have been unclean. Psalm 12, 3, may the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. And so, like I say, these prayers are like confessions of our sins, but also asking God for his help to become whole in our attitude and speech. But when we pray like this, regularly and faithfully, we keep ourselves open to God and even to others. And so when we pray like this, we develop within our hearts with God's strength a deeper humility, a greater self-awareness of where we're at spiritually in our need for God. God develops within us an inner being that is growing in a spirit of humility before God. And also we grow in humility before each other, right? And so we must be open and honest, pray these honest type of prayers because we know it leads to the way forward, keeping us, keeping us from hiding sinful secrets from ourselves from others, and from God. Psalm um, 
32, 1 to 3 says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed, or happy, is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I keep silent, that's like keeping the secret, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. So when we pray the Psalms in this spirit of honesty with God as our Abba Father, as Christians, we do so now through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news. It means we have God's help. We have God's help. He helps us to bring meaning and wholeness. It's made possible through the grace of Jesus Christ and through the gift of his Holy Spirit. He uses open, honest, transparent prayers, and he takes them, and he uses them to develop us and to make us more whole. He forgives us by his love and grace, and he empowers us to be changed through the Holy Spirit. And so basically, God loves to take an open, broken, contrite heart that is honest with God, and then he molds us into his character. That's who God loves to deal with. He loves to deal with people who are transparent before him. You know, it's a common saying in recovery ministries that we are only as sick as the secrets we keep. Right? Let me repeat that. We are only as sick as the secrets we keep. But when our secrets are brought into the gracious light of Jesus Christ, they no longer hold a tight destructive power upon us. You see, our brains and our minds think the opposite sometimes. We think that if we get honest, then we get in trouble. Right? God says, no, if you're honest with me, then I can change you. Because he wants to help us. When our secrets are brought into the gracious light of Jesus Christ, they no longer hold a tight, tight their destructive powers over us. When our secrets are placed into the gracious hands of God, who knows all of our hearts, he rehumanizes us. He transforms us. He makes us whole so we become more like Jesus. Well, why don't we pray? Lord, we are all like Adam and Eve. And our human tendency is to run and hide when we are ashamed. But help us, Lord, as the Psalms help us to become honest and unafraid because we know as we approach your throne of grace that you are a God of grace and love and forgiveness. And you love to deal. You love to help children who come before you in helplessness and in humility and an open prayer before you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray as the Psalms 
Psalmists prayed so many times, open, gut-wrenching, honest prayers before God, before you, because we know that you can be trusted with our feelings and our emotions. And Lord, uh, help us as we trek through the Psalms, because we'll be exposed to this again and again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. So invite you to stand with us. Sing this song. It's a little prayer. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing it through once. We'll play it through once without singing. And just at that time, just take the, the few seconds just to, uh, you know, pray silently to God and just ask him to change your heart and expose those things in you. And then we'll sing it again after as a congregation. Okay, so we'll sing it once, play it through. Just take a minute to pray.